This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of posterior interosseous nerve. From the nerves of the upper extremity subsection, under the anatomy topic, on orthobullets.com. In this episode, we'll go over the course, motor innervation, sensory innervation, and clinical correlations involving the posterior interosseous nerve. So starting with the course, the posterior interosseous nerve originates from the radial nerve at the radiohumeral joint line. So with respect to the actual course of the posterior interosseous nerve, it dives under the supinator at the arcade of Froch, which is the thickened edge between the heads of the supinator. It then winds around the radial neck within the substance of the muscle to the posterior compartment of the forearm. It then reaches the interosseous membrane of the forearm and ends as sensation to the dorsal wrist capsule. So again, the posterior interosseous nerve originates from the radial nerve at the radiohumeral joint line, and as far as the course, it dives under the supinator at the arcade of Froch, which is the thickened edge between the heads of the supinator. It then winds around the radial neck within the substance of the muscle to the posterior compartment of the forearm. It then reaches the interosseous membrane of the forearm and ends as sensation to the dorsal wrist capsule. Moving on to motor innervation, the motor component of the posterior interosseous nerve innervates the common extensors. This includes the ECRB. However, keep in mind that motor innervation is often from the radial nerve proper, but can be from the PIN. Other common extensors that receive motor innervation from the PIN include the extensor digitorum communis, or EDC, extensor digiti minimi, or EDM, and extensor carpi ulnaris, or ECU. The deep extensors which receive motor innervation from the PIN include the supinator, the abductor pollicis longus, or APL, the extensor pollicis brevis, or EPB, the extensor pollicis longus, or EPL, and the extensor indices proprius, or EIP. Sensory fibers to the dorsal wrist capsule are provided by the terminal branch of the posterior interosseous nerve, which is located on the floor of the fourth extensor compartment. Keep in mind that there is no cutaneous innervation from the posterior interosseous nerve. So again, sensory fibers to the dorsal wrist capsule are provided by the terminal branch of the posterior interosseous nerve, which is located on the floor of the fourth extensor compartment. As far as clinical correlations of the posterior interosseous nerve, PIN compression syndrome is the one to know. And remember that in PIN palsy, the last muscle to recover is the extensor indices proprius. Again, in PIN compression syndrome, the last muscle to recover is the extensor indices proprius. Another clinical correlation of the posterior interosseous nerve is the dorsal approach to the radius or the Thompson approach, which provides access to the PIN as it passes through the arcade of Froch for nerve paralysis and resistant tennis elbow. For more information about the dorsal approach to the radius, you can review the topic on orthobullets.com or the Bullets app, or look out for the podcast episode. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, following a posterior approach to the radius or a dorsal Thompson approach, the patient is unable to extend his thumb and index finger at the metacarpophalangeal joint. He has sensation to the radial forearm and dorsal thumb and can extend his wrist, but with radial deviation. What nerve was injured? And the choices are 1. Radial, 2. Posterior interosseous, 3. Anterior interosseous, 4. Median, and 5. Musculocutaneous. The correct answer to this question is 2. Posterior interosseous. 
So during a posterior approach or dorsal Thompson approach to the radius, the posterior interosseous nerve or PIN should be identified and or protected. Pronation of the forearm will aid in the protection of the PIN. The radial nerve splits into the PIN and the superficial branch of the radial nerve proximal to the extent of this approach. Preservation of sensation in the distribution of the superficial branch of the radial nerve and intact wrist extension with radial deviation locates the injury distal to the superficial branch of the radial nerve slash PIN split. So this would be an extensor carpi radialis brevis palsy with intact extensor carpi radialis longus. The median nerve and its branch and the anterior interosseous nerve are not encountered in this approach. The musculocutaneous nerve is also not observed during this approach. And moving on to the final question, which of the following tendons is found in the same dorsal compartment of the wrist as the posterior interosseous nerve? And the choices are one, extensor digiti minimi, two, extensor carpi radialis brevis, three, extensor pollicis longus, four, extensor indices proprius, and five, abductor pollicis longus. The correct answer to this question is four, extensor indices proprius. So the terminal branch of the posterior interosseous nerve is contained in the fourth dorsal compartment. The contents of the various dorsal wrist compartments are as follows. The first compartment includes the abductor pollicis longus and the extensor pollicis brevis. The second compartment contains the extensor carpi radialis brevis and the extensor carpi radialis longus. The third compartment contains the extensor pollicis longus. The fourth compartment contains the extensor digitorum communis, the extensor indices proprius, and the posterior interosseous nerve. The fifth compartment contains the extensor digiti minimi, and the sixth compartment contains the extensor carpi ulnaris. That's all for this review about the posterior interosseous nerve. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.